0: Welcome to the final episode of our team preview series. We are looking at the title contenders here. So these are the teams that we have ranked before the season. I know we are about eight games into the season, but (laughs) we have ranked these as our top six teams that we think are actual contenders to not only make the NBA Finals, but win the NBA Finals. And I am joined today by just one, Mr. Solo, Mr. Daniel Greer. How are you, sir?
1: What up, man? What up? I'm good. <laughs> Nothing.
0: Cody Cody is MIA. We're not really sure where he, where he is. He said he was going to be on, and then he did not appear. So I just assume with anything with Cody where you don't hear from him when it's time, <laughs> that he fell asleep on the couch so if i had to guess i could probably text his wife and tell him to shake him loose but yeah we'll just let him sleep i'm sure he's earned it he's tired working all the time at the restaurant so just gonna be me and daniel today so maybe we'll get this in under two hours
1: yes and you're welcome people cody's not here
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, that's the episode, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> but no, here we go. Number six in our list title contenders the Philadelphia 76ers last year went 43 and 30. Daniel, right off the top, is new uh, director of basketball operations, Daryl Morey, and new head coach, Doc Rivers, enough to take this team? Over the edge to actually be a title contender, or is it more about the players?
1: Wow, um, I don't like Doc. Uh, Morey's already done his job, and so I would say it's more about the players because if Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can coexist and and, and do it a different way than they've done in the past, um, I think that they'll be okay. But mainly the surrounding cast with Tobias Harris and uh, uh, Seth Curry have done it to date so far. And if they continue on the track that they're going, they're going to be a title contender. I would honestly pick them to win the East. If you had to give me one choice of a team right now, I would pick the 76ers today.
0: Oh, so you think sixth is too low in our ranking. You like them more than the Bucs, the Heat, the Celtics right now.
1: Yes, for sure. And I would, I would maybe, maybe pick them as the number one overall over the Lakers because I think they have Ooh. a deeper team than the Lakers do. The Lakers have have, have one and a half guys and A D could go missing at times. Most of the time he he he's just kind of subpar right now. I don't know what it is. Um, he is good in stretches, but for the most part, I would honestly take Joel and beat over him. And as long as you can defend LeBron, I think you're okay. And the shooting they have could actually beat the Lakers for sure.
0: Hmm. I actually want to hold on to that thought. I'll try to remember it to come back to it at the end. I won't forget Just the matchup wise, because I think that's interesting to talk about, but you mentioned Daryl Morey has already done his job. It seems like in the first week or two. He moved Josh Richardson, brought in Seth Curry. I believe they traded for Danny Green. Um, yeah. Got in Tony, Tony Bradley, who's a backup for the Jazz. who's kind of underwhelming, so I don't know how you feel about him. Brought in Dwight Howard from the Lakers. Um, drafted everyone's kind of sleeper favorite, which I don't really get, but I understand, I guess, and Tyrese Maxey. So he's already done a lot of things. I think 76ers fans can be excited about, and it seems like there's already a better construction around kind of the non-shooting entity or non-shooting very well entity of Embiid and Simmons, right? Um, I mean, I know they have started kind of hot, trying to keep the early season biases out of it, but they have started out at the best league, the best uh, record in the league so far. Right. I mean, Simmons averaging 13 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, and beads having an MVP-type start, 23 points, 12 rebounds. I mean, Tobias Harris is the consistent 19 to 20 points. Seth Curry has kind of been the surprise with about 15 points per game, shooting a blistering 55% from the floor. And Shake Milton yeah. averaging about 12 points a game for them. Right. So is this kind of a thing where – It's a regression to the mean. They started out hot well together, and it'll kind of slow back, or do you think this is truly a 50-plus win team that is for real?
1: Yeah, I I, I would definitely say if I had to pick one, I would pick them as a 50-plus just for the simple fact that they have the shooting and the consistency that you can get out of Simmons and Embiid I think you can get the numbers that they're putting up now throughout the year. They're not gaudy numbers. They're just, you know, average numbers, but consistently those two guys play within themselves. As long as they stay injury free, they'll be fine. Um, Obviously Tobias Harris he's played, he's played normally. He's played fine. Nothing crazy. Good. Seth Curry definitely played uh, over his head at this point. He will come back more, but I think in this system, he actually will be more valuable and will be, you know, kind of looked at to shoot the ball more. And like tonight he went six for seven on threes. That's not going to happen, you know, a lot, but the guy is just, uh, he's just hitting a hot streak early on. Um, He'll cool off. But realistically, if he does half of that, man, that, that's really what they're expecting. Uh, But their bench is not, is not great, but they're good enough to hold on. They're definitely only probably eight deep, uh, but they have something where Maxie and uh, Matisse Eibold that they can put in to be good defenders or somebody they need to, to score real quick. And then Dwight Howard is a backup to Embiid. I think that's a good eight. Um, and, and if you have, have uh, – Shake Milton is out. So um, I, I, I think they're going to be tough, and I think they'll be a 50-plus win team.
0: It is a good point about the bench, because I was going to bring that up. If it feels like there's anything that was their kind of weak spot, it would seem like a deep bench, right? right. And we have not been able to trust Joel Embiid to play a full season at 35-plus minutes a game, and he's still only playing about th- 28 to 32 regularly. Yeah. When we get into the playoffs – Is injuries a really big X factor for the 76ers, or is that just kind of standard for everybody? Or do you think it could be even more so detrimental to the 76ers in particular?
1: You know, I I think any top team, if they lose one of their main guys, they're going to be hurt bad. Uh, If they lose a rotation player on their top eight, they'll be hurt bad. There's not a team that's just super deep out of these top title contenders. Uh but for sure if if Philly loses in or Simmons, they're pretty screwed just because that's how this team they, they rotate around. Uh, but if, if they lost a Seth or a Tobias or even a Shake Milton, I think they'd be okay, they just wouldn't be a favorite to me uh to win the East because mm. everybody, if these teams are if these other teams are healthy, it, it, it's hard to beat a healthy team because these teams are still good. All these, uh, you know, Boston and, and you know, the Bucs, they're still good. They just, they just need some luck to stay healthy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, what I think is interesting about the early start of the season is they're number one in defensive rating to start the season.
1: Wow. And
0: they're only giving up about 102 points per game, which is second in the league right now. I don't know how much of that is just early season stuff or if the defense from them is for real. But if Joel Embiid is going to be kind of a dark horse, I would say, um, at least before the season, MVP candidate, it's going to have to be a mix of not only the offensive production, the rebounding, but it's going to have to be the defense, right? Like, if he's going to put this whole total package together and actually pull off a big man winning an MVP – which we think right. it might actually happen this year. I um, haven't seen it in a while. Do you think defense is a huge part of that, or is it truly just going to be the offensive production? And if the 76ers are a 50-win team, what's your kind of feeling with that with the defense?
1: Yeah, they, they're going to have to be good defensively. Um, and so what, what did you say they were uh, ranked defensively? Because I'm seeing they're like eighth. Right now. And the reason I say Uh, that is because. um, basketball reference. I I think the reason is is tonight. uh, Tonight skewed those numbers big time. They did
0: Um, have a huge game, yeah.
1: That's probably what it was. I still have
0: yesterday's numbers.
1: Okay, that's why I I, I was looking at that.
0: In defensive rating, they were first. But that might be adjusted a little bit with tonight's high-scoring game against the Wizards. And the points they are giving up a game was second, almost 102.
1: Yeah.
0: So, but, like, offense has always kind of been the problem. Defense has always been there, like Brett Brown. I mean, is defense being even more bolstered with Embiid, having an MVP-type season kind of the big deal for them? Or is offense still always going to be the thing they have to figure out?
1: I I don't know. You can go an argument either way. I would say the offense because they have to be able to score when it comes to playoff time. It's not about regular season scoring. It's about playoff time. Can you actually run your sets and score well enough to beat these teams um, because everybody's going to bring their A effort? Uh, but the defense is very important as well. Um, I think that uh, these teams – if you play well enough offense, it actually helps you defensively because you don't have runouts uh, when, when you're going up to the basket and, and a quick drive from the other team. So I do think that that's, you know, very, very important on offense is to, is to make sure if you're putting the ball in, if they're having to get the ball out of the net, out of the goal, then there is no way they're going to have to, uh, they're going to get quick runouts. And so I think, having a good offense actually helps your defense. So I'm going to go with offense here, but defense is still important.
0: Now to wrap this up, before we talk about their Vegas over under, they have been heavily speculated in the James Harden trade rumors, which Daryl Moore has come out and said that no way they're including Ben Simmons, but Daryl Moore's done this before, especially CP three nowhere trading CP three. And then he shipped. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't even want to ask about the speculation. I'm going to ask you straight up. If the trade was centered around Harden and Ben Simmons, and I don't know what else, maybe some picks or another player. I don't know who that player would be. But as that, as your focal point of the trade, would you do that trade if you're the 76ers?
1: I would not, no. I think that changed the dynamic. Okay, so they built this team around uh, with, with shooting uh, centered around Ben Simmons being able to pass the ball, uh, giving more space underneath to Joel Embiid. And so this team has been molded around those two players. If you throw in a James Harden, he needs the space to create and go through the lane. Joel and B will have to be short corner, back corner, actually be more of a uh, an outside post player, and a rim runner to work well with Harden. Harden does not need anybody that's going to set up on the post. He just doesn't. And so I think that this team is better off with Ben Simmons than they than they would be with Harden, especially right now. They look good. Why mess it up? Like, you don't know the dynamic that it might change. If something was you know that they didn't start off well, I would agree. But right now, I don't know. I don't, I don't like how James Harden's playing currently. He has John Wall and uh, other players, uh, Christian Wood down there, and they're not winning there either. So is he going to cause the same issues? I, I would just stay away if I was them.
0: Mm, so not worth um, potentially mortgaging your future for a year or two of immediate gratification maybe.
1: Correct. And they just got away from, uh, big contracts. Like they, they're actually set up better now, even though Tobias Harris's contracts big, they're, uh, they're better off now than they were a year ago, much better. Like this is actually, you're able to swallow these contracts and these numbers. Um, but I definitely wouldn't for them. If I was a Toronto Raptor, I would go on the phone ASAP. And I've been saying in the, uh, James Harden to Toronto <laughs> back in the summer.
0: You're going to ride that train till it's dead. we going to ride. <laughs> um, if you're on the 76ers, you know Daryl Morey's reputation. Is anyone on this team safe from being moved?
1: No, no, definitely not. But I would say that with the numbers and the contracts, I don't think um, they would worry too much about sending people out right now. There's no reason to. It's working. Um but I don't know who who would they bring back. There's nobody on that just – unless Bradley Bill would be the only person that uh, in my mind that pops up in my head that even would be moved in a trade right now. That would make sense for them. Mm-hmm. So, no. Okay. I, if, if Bradley Bill is available, obviously, you go get him.
0: Right. I just didn't know if, you know, the reputation kind of holds with Maury. He's in and out, in and out, made the most moves in the past, you know, eight years if that could affect mentally the team, especially kind of the fringe role piece guys.
1: No, because I think like, if you're winning, there, are
0: you, they worried about being shipped. Okay. No,
1: yeah. I think if you're winning, I think that cures a lot of those issues because he can step back and say, Hey, I've already done the work. Let's, let's just chill out and let it rise. It, see it's, how, it's working well. Let's
0: see the fruit bear. Yeah. As, because as one might say,
1: yeah, where are they going to find? So, Seth Curry is a three-year, uh, roughly $8 million on average. Uh, and then that's pretty much it past this year. So, everybody else is on one-year deals. Danny Green's on a one-year $15 million. Um, Who else? Matisse Theibel has three years. You know, obviously, Maxi, he's got a small con. He's obviously a rookie. Um, so, there's nobody on here besides Tobias Harris that is getting paid past this year other than Seth Curry. And so, uh, you know, your main guys, shake Milton, Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, Danny Green, everybody, uh, you know, is being played well. If anything, I get rid of Danny Green and maybe bring somebody else in, but I don't know how you get off of a one-year $15 million contract. So, I think everybody is pretty safe right now.
0: Okay. Now, Vegas over under has them at 45 and a half. Smash or pass, I can kind of guess what you're going to say. Smash. (laughs) I'm also with you. I'm going to smash this. I think the 76ers are a good team. I think they've always been a good team. They just didn't have a coach with that championship pedigree to kind of take them over the final hurdle. Like, I've always been a Brett Brown defender, but after the third year of everything's the same, like teams were able to load in on that, And they just looked worse than they actually were. So I think the fresh coaching, the fresh, you know, GM, fresh players that actually fit around, I think will make a huge difference for them. I I think they could definitely be a 46, close to 50 win team. I 100% agree with you. I'm really high on the 76ers, and this is kind of the theme for the final six. So most of these teams, you've been paying attention to our list at all, you know. Most of them remaining are Eastern Conference teams. We can talk about more in depth when we get to the final Eastern Conference teams on why that is. But talking about our fifth team, the Miami Heat, who last year went 44-29. and Of course, they were surprised of the entire bubble scenario and made the finals, I believe, as a fifth seed. So straight out, Daniel, was it a fluke or are the Heat for real?
1: It was a fluke for sure. (laughs)
0: <laughs> fluke as in they just got lucky got hot shooting yeah. and just the uh people kind of failed um emotionally um i know a lot of people that had a lot of problems one does mentally being um quarantined and isolated like that and the heat just took advantage of it. they thrived, tough mentally with jimmy butler being their leader Gordon drogic so you think in a normal type playoff scenario with no bubble that the heat are a four or five seed again and but don't actually make it past the first or second round that's what you're saying
1: yeah I think they get bounced second round here this year for sure because they I don't think they can compete with uh, Boston uh, through a series I just don't think they can okay. and Milwaukee and Philadelphia I, I don't think that they compete with those teams in a, in a series. I just don't, they don't have, they just don't have the firepower. They have Duncan Robinson who is playing better this year, but guess what? Tyler hero goes back to being average because he's an average player. Like he's going to be, he's so streaky that he got hot during the bubble and played well and that's okay. But 34 minutes tonight, eight points. Come on. Like, it's just, that's who he is, and I know he's going to win some games for them and help them out. But through a series, unless he's hot, he's not really going to help you. Um, and then they're also, you know, they're starting Kelly Olynyk, uh, you know, Gordon Dragic, who was their best player who got hurt last year, was the reason they were honestly playing well. And he's come off the bench, so I'm, I'm not a big believer in this team. I just don't think they have it. Jimmy Butler is a very good player, and in a series. He can win you some games, but Jimmy Butler can't do it by himself. And I don't think you have a non-Memphis Jay Crowder getting hot and carrying you through a couple of these and um, a couple of these series when he how he was. So I don't know. I, I just don't see it.
0: Yeah, they brought in Avery Bradley, drafted Precious Achua, which more local here in Memphis. So we're more familiar with Precious than most people, but he seems to have kind of a coming out already early in the season as that energy guy. The point you made about Dragic coming off the bench to start is interesting because it feels like they did that last year. Um, mm-hmm. They brought him off the bench all year, and then it got to the playoffs and he started. Um, I can't remember if that was because of injury or if that was truly just a decision by them or because wasn't that like Kendrick Nunn was starting yeah. a lot for them last year?
1: Yeah, and now he's and not now, even going
0: for And I told you this would happen. This is one of these type of players has a hot start to a rookie season, too small, streaky player, and he's going to be moved soon. Like it's just like this. How this is what he was destined to be in his career. So it's unfortunate that's actually coming true, but he's kind of like that guy, the insurance policy. If Dragic gets hurt again. So it is interesting that they moved Tyler Hero into the starting lineup. So far, he's averaging about 14 points. Bam is the guy I kind of really want to focus in on because it seems like the biggest problem for the Heat, especially when it got to the finals, which I know the Lakers give everybody problems on defense and physicality. But when Bam was injured during the finals, completely flipped the series, and when he had to rest, it was so glaringly obvious that the defense and the tenacity and the toughness and the offensive movement just was not there anymore with Kelly Olynyk and Myers Leonard. So they drafted Precious Achua, which Memphis fans we liked here. He just played for a dope of a coach. Oops, did I say that? Um, <laughs> but is Precious the kind of toughness fill in athletically on defense that the Heat? missed last year
1: yes yeah I I don't they had uh they had Jay Crowder last year that was a that he's a tough defender tough you know player a veteran I don't know if if Precious is the answer he's a young guy I don't know if he's if he's ready to kind of fill that role he's not playing enough to kind of fill that I guess that void that really they're missing I think they're actually hurt in that area more this year than they were last year.
0: Mm. See, actually, they're not as deep in the bench as they were last, year, or at least that's from the center and four position.
1: Right, yeah. I, I, I don't know if, um, you know, a first-year first, first year playoff series, uh, Precious is the, is the guy you want on the court as much. Uh, he's going to spell mm-hmm. uh, Bam very well. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. He's not going to kill you. But he's, he's just not he's, – he's just going to kind of keep you treading water, just kind of hold you right there, which is okay to give your guys a break. But the main thing is, it can Bam take the step, you know, take that next step? Can Jimmy Butler stay healthy and be consistent like he has, especially during the bubble? Um, and so I think you need – you know, Bam is – I think Bam is the most important player for this team, for sure.
0: Interesting. It is interesting because um, Eric Spolstra, head coach, has played, it seems like, 10 to 11 players almost every night. <laughs> yeah. So they already have, you know, seven players in double figures. Is that kind of the path forward for them, the unpredictability night to night? Because that's, to me, the thing I look at is that roster flexibility of, okay hero doesn't have it going tonight we got duncan robinson or you know drogic doesn't have it going avery bradley's got us or you know bam needs a spell precious going to come in he's got us for a little while to hold it down to me that kind of roster flexibility and that unpredictability with these guys averaging these kind of numbers and then after that just falls completely off a cliff but I think that is very sustainable in the way the NBA is played now. You almost need that. Like you can't have, which the next team we'll talk about in our list has two players in double fig, you know, two or three players in double figures that are dominating everything on the scoring for them. It seems more sustainable that the Heat could continue to do this. Not saying they're going to be a 51 team, but I think they could be a pretty good team again if they have this many people playing and averaging this month this much or do you think that's actually a hindrance to them because once we get into the playoffs if the rotation shortens and we believe that we should really only play you know our best seven to eight players in the playoffs anyways do you think that's a hindrance because bolster is kind of like okay during the season this guy did this maybe i could use him for this and you can make mistakes that way
1: yeah. So they'll on average, just looking at their past, probably five games, they average playing nine players. That's kind of what they roll with. Um, they have used Kendrick Nunn, um, you know, under, under double digit minute minutes in the past five games uh, uh, tonight, he got a, you know, DNP. Um, so to answer your question, I think it's very important to get some of these young guys time to play because, what that does is get them in the game, see how they react to different situations, plug and play them throughout the year. You're going to take losses doing this, but you are also can honestly it work itself out where it evens itself out getting wins because they're not expecting that player and he might give you a, a, a jolt of energy in his seven or eight minutes and he scores six or eight points you weren't expecting. And so that actually could win you some games. So I think it evens itself out regular season-wise. I don't think it necessarily hurts you during the playoffs because in the playoffs, you're going to go with your eight guys normally, maybe a ninth if you really feel comfortable. And then you're going to plug and play those other guys only in certain situations. And that's maybe a five minute deal. It's not much. And so I don't Hmm. think it can hurt you at all. Um, It actually can develop you because if a guy goes down, you have somebody that's been playing some minutes who can kind of step up and fill that role because you kind of know how they are. Um, not playing a whole year, then all of a sudden close to the end of the year you have to play, that is when it really hurts you. And so I think this is actually a smart way of of handling a regular season.
0: And kind of managing some loads, quote-unquote, right? Right. Jimmy's already been injured a little bit, missed a couple games. They're going to be careful and cautious with Drogic. Iguodala is 37 years old. So (laughs) they have to kind of manage it a little bit, and I get it. Um, the only thing that's kind of saved them so far is their defense. So far, eighth in efficiency league rank, anyways, giving up 107 points. Their offense, for as many players as they have been playing, and now main players in double figures, the offense still averaging in points at the bottom end of the league. So I actually expect, if I were to expect a team to come out of the first month and make a run on offense, this is my pick. Like they'll get everybody back healthy they'll make this run in a week or two to where they won't be at the bottom of the league on offense. So I expect them to be a strong mid-January, February team. So I don't know how you feel about that, but um, uh, getting but I, into not, – not, in, not in love?
1: Yeah, I'm not in love, but I could see it. I just don't know what they're exactly going to uh, – I don't know what they're going to be yet. I don't know how consistent they can play with these young guys either. So I think that's the unknown. But I don't know about predicting – a flurry of, you know, unless their schedule, I haven't seen their schedule, uh, but unless their schedule just gets easy, I don't see how they just put on a flurry of offense out of nowhere.
0: Okay. Cause Vegas has them at 44 and a half wins. If you think they're kind of middle of the pack, if you like this over, that means they're going at least 45 and 27
1: (laughs) smash or pass. I might have to put money on this because this is a huge <laughs> pass. Huge. They're not going to win. They're going to win maybe 40 games. Maybe.
0: Okay. So you think it's more likely a 40 and 32 team?
1: Yeah, I didn't do my math, but I'm thinking that's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I actually agree with you. I think the Heat are going to be very good. I think they will be interesting again in the playoffs and a couple things break right for them. It's hard to go against a team that just made it to the finals, beating some of these teams here in this tier. Um, So I'm going to say pass for regular season because I don't think they really care about that that much. The Heat have never seemed to care too much about, you know, having the first or second best um, record in the league. They care about just, like, treading water, getting to the playoffs. And then they're all hands on deck. So I would pass this, two for regular season. I think they will be interesting in the playoffs. Now, team,
1: hold on, hold on one second, one second. Sure. Have a trivia question time. Are you ready?
0: Uh
1: Have you you seen the box score for the Celtics and the the Heat tonight? I have not. All right. So our uh, our funny but you know favorite um, stat: the over under. (sighs) Plus minus whatever. <laughs> Duncan Robinson played thirty-one minutes tonight. What do you think his plus minus was? And they lost by two. I'll just give you that plus minus. What do you think Duncan uh,
0: Robinson? Thirty-one minutes.
1: Thirty-one minutes plus minus. I, they lost by two. I I would say he started. By the way, I don't know if that matters. I'll ooh. I'm gonna
0: say plus twelve.
1: Wow. Are you looking at it? I'm not. Plus 12. I didn't
0: even watch the game.
1: Yeah, so he came Is that what he was exactly? Exactly. Plus 12. <laughs> he came down the stretch and buried uh, a couple threes. They were down 10 with a minute, 10 to go. Anyway. Um, oh, okay. I'm setting this up for something very funny. So just keep playing oh, along. Lord. Uh, bam, 34 <laughs> minutes. What do you think his plus minus was?
0: I would say he was more of a minus.
1: Minus three or four. Minus nine. Okay. Okay. So Precious, a fan favorite here, Precious Chua, He played whopping 14 minutes. What was his plus minus?
0: I'll give him a plus. I'll give him a plus six.
1: Plus seven. You have to be looking at this. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. I'm just guessing based off (laughs) of time. Here it is. Andre Iguodala
0: (laughs) Uh, Minus Minus Hold on, hold on 17 Hold on, but
1: played 21 minutes tonight Does that change you?
0: Uh, I'll stick with what I said Minus 17
1: You should have went with minus 1 per minute Minus 21 Minus 21 (laughs) Get out of here, Andre Iguodala You're a walking negative He's stuck
0: every minute. Literally, he was on the court.
1: Yeah, I have to do that. Like, (laughs) come on. Like, how do you lose a point every minute you're on the court? Get out of here. All right. Sorry, I had to interrupt that. If
0: you've never listened to us before, we really enjoy Andre Iguodala. Big fan favorite here at Free Basketball and in the greater Memphis area. Um, Number four on our list, the Boston Celtics. I know we said we might be a little faster, but... We might clip that two-hour mark without Cody. Um, Boston Celtics last year went 48-24. and Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, absolutely carrying this team so far, both averaging about 26 points per game. Jalen Brown's kind of more closer to the 27 points per game. Jalen Brown has started at a blistering pace, shooting the ball. He's shooting almost 58% field goal percentage from the field. That's 43% from three. Um, 60. Four percent from twos, um, effective field goal percentage of almost sixty-four percent as well. Both of them not really getting to line about four attempts a game. Is this is Jalen Brown a classic regression to the mean, hot hand fallacy type of player that is going to fall off the cliff in the next month? And if he does, will the Celtics fall off with him, or is this for real? And Jalen Brown is an all-star this year
1: Jalen brown's for sure an all-star for sure and i think that this guy is i think this guy's having a coming out party this year and i don't think there's any looking back i i think if he's shooting the ball well he is going to be one of the top players in this league because he plays so well defensively and he's always he's just got a knack for the ball and so i uh I love Jalen Brown. I drafted him in my fantasy basketball team. Um, and so I've watched him very closely this year. And he has been putting up huge numbers. Huge.
0: So you are very biased.
1: In, I'm uh... super biased.
0: <laughs> the greater question I have about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum with absolutely carrying this team so far. Is that a problem for you, or is it just a kind of tread water till Kimbo can come back? Let's hope to kind of be five hundred, maybe be a, a little bit above. Like is the star power between these two good enough to truly put them as a title contender by themselves, even without Kimba Walker?
1: Uh yes, I do. I, I think they're that those two are that good. Uh, I think Kemba actually diminishes um, the numbers to Jalen Brown a little bit. I think Kemba is going to have to change the way he plays, honestly, with these two. And I I think this actually is a blessing in disguise because, one, it allows Danny Ainge to take the chance and trade Kemba if he finds the right suitor because he knows these two guys are good enough to bring in somebody else. They don't need really a point guard. They don't need somebody to – uh, handle the ball. They really could probably go out and find a big man if they if they felt like that was the direction they needed, uh, because they have Daniel Tice right now and the Time Lord himself. Uh, they're both good, but I don't know if that's really Tristan what they Thompson. need.
0: They signed Tristan Thompson.
1: Like I said, they have the Time Lord,
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah. uh. famed Tom. Kardashian Slayer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> the other, the sister's available. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think Chris Humphreys is still around somewhere. Oh God. Um, and dig up X's, but <laughs> now uh, the reason I asked this, because the other guy scoring double figures, Marcus smart. All right. Almost 13 points per game. The problem I had with Kimba last year was it was so obvious on the court in the playoffs that like we had never seen him in the playoffs teams are always middling below 500 or right at it could never break into the playoffs it seemed like with the hornets anyways he finally gets on a playoff team and the first thing i see in game one is this guy's too small right like he just he's too small like he he gets picked on on defense he is kind of what holds them back to me from making the finals last year i think if that guard is I don't know who else. I mean, I really like Kemba Walker. I think he's a good player, but I do not think he is a championship starting point guard. If yeah, you know I, if I, I, I agree say that like I think I think last year he was kind of considered their number one or number two. And to me, if they're going to actually go far, one and two has to be obviously Tatum and Brown. Mm-hmm. And Kemba has to kind of be that third, maybe even fourth important behind Marcus Smart. So, we have them in here as a title contender. You said Kemba is kind of like, if you can get off him, you would. Is, I mean, what kind of guard would you, would you just bring in someone that was just purely bigger to shore up the defense? Because you have enough scoring, it seems like, already, sort of. I mean, we can talk yeah. about Tatum. I do want to talk about Tatum in a second, but Yeah, they like the scoring pop from Kemba, and they need that because they're kind of very vanilla and bland on offense. If those two guys aren't going ISO, you know, if it's not working for them in ISO, they're kind of bland on offense. Right. But like they drafted Peyton Pritchard. Obviously, that's not enough. Would you just try to get a bigger body in there? Does it necessarily have to be a point guard?
1: Buy or sell this? Kemba for Mike Conley, straight up.
0: See, that's, that's the size problem again to me.
1: But you have – so you have Kimba on $34 million this year, 36, and then a player option of $37 million, okay? Mike Conley, See, whatever I'm not even, he, Mike Conley is making – sh- Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you talk.
0: <laughs> Sorry, on that little delay, so it throws it off a little. <laughs> no, I – like, to me – If my aspirations are championship, like I kind of ignore the money, right? Like, yeah, I'm committed to Kemba on all this money. I don't necessarily have to get off that unless I have a just truly better fit. And I don't know if Mike Conley is truly a better fit than Kemba. Why would you think Mike Conley would be a better fit over Kemba?
1: Mike Conley is more of a leader. And when things kind of go awry, I felt like I had more confidence in Mike Conley settling down the offense, getting it to the right person, and, and kind of getting, getting you back on track. But I think some, sometimes you have Jaden Brown, who can kind of be a loose cannon sometimes, uh, uh, Jason Tatum, who is good, but sometimes he just gets lost in just kind of the, the game and doesn't really uh, get to his spots like he should. Marcus Smart is an absolute loose cannon. Um, You don't know what he's going to do. He's really not there for scoring, but he's so good defensively that he helps you. Um, I think that having Mike Conley there and instead of Kimball Walker, who Kimball Walker has to have the basketball, I feel more confident in playing Mike Conley as your facilitator, getting the ball through Jalen Brown, through Jason Tatum, And when that that ball pops out because everybody collapses on them, I feel confident that Mike Conley can drain that shot, that three-pointer, more than I do Kimba Walker. Mm. (sighs) Plus, plus. I don't know. I think the
0: size is the problem. That's the only problem for me. You're trading the same small for small.
1: Do do you think that Kimba's going to be good for the next three years or do you think that actually hurts you having him there at that, that amount of money?
0: I think they'll still be good the next three years with him. Yeah. Do I think good. they could be a, a title contender every year with him? I don't think so because to me, he's the thing that holds them back, but I don't think exactly. Mike Conley. Well, no, but Mike Conley is on an expiring deal. He's going to change that.
1: He's on Yeah, but expi-
0: why would you lose Kemba for two more years for nothing? For an expiring, who are you gonna go get?
1: You can keep Mike Conley at a much cheaper deal next year in a couple of years. He he playing for a coach like Brad Stevens, playing for a championship contender, Mike's never had not, never been on a team that's been a championship contender. Mike would take less money then. Ooh. So you get the you get the same player, and now you are honestly, <laughs> you have a good player who is a good veteran. Plus, you have all this new money to go out and get a free agent and bring somebody in that actually fits you. And so I think that's what I would do. Why Utah would not take Kimball Walker to pair up with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, I would have no clue. But that's
0: oh, I, it's I a win-win. Utah would do that. If they're not, they're stupid.
1: Right. But so it's a win-win.
0: The, I, but not, <laughs> it's not a win-win because you're trading a – You know, admittedly, Kemba's knee problems and being a small guard, that is a huge warning sign, right? Right. But switching him so I can get a 35 or 36-year-old Mike Conley who's the same size. um,
1: Better defender. And then
0: sign him for another year or two to save some money and maybe bring someone else in just doesn't seem like my best-case scenario (laughs) if I'm the Celtic.
1: Who do you think's a better player? Mike Conley or Kemba Walker?
0: Kemba Walker.
1: That that's wrong. He's not he's not <laughs> he is that's not true. the same player. Just
0: because he's injured. Okay.
1: He's an empty stats <laughs> player. He's empty stats. You know that better than anybody. He's empty stats.
0: Uh I mean they made the Eastern Conference finals. I'll give them that. But to me he is what holds in him spite. back because of the size.
1: In spite of him they and in spite
0: <laughs> So I want to talk about Tatum because obviously you're a big believer in Jalen Brown. Now I want to find out if you're a real believer in Jason Tatum. Is Jason Tatum on the trajectory to be an MVP type candidate? Is he really that improved that much to not only carry him, which we said earlier and you said yes, but is he truly an all-around basketball player that is an mvp type player or is he kind of more of a ball hog to you
1: i wouldn't Talk say about that about
0: empty stats
1: yeah, Do you think I wouldn't Jason say. Tatum
0: has empty stats
1: i wouldn't say he's a ball hog um but i don't okay. think he's an i don't think he's an mvp candidate no i don't think he ever will okay. be he doesn't have ever he doesn't have it whatever it is I don't see it, and I love Jason Tatum. There's something there that maybe as he matures—I don't even know how old he is. He's probably in his twenty-four, 20, I, twenty-two. Wow! I, so I, I don't. Think
0: want... he's, he's nineteen. Last I looked, last I looked, he was nineteen.
1: <laughs> he's twenty-two. <laughs> twenty-two. Um,
0: see, Cody's gonna be mad he wasn't on this to talk about Jason Tatum.
1: He will be. He loves
0: talking Jason Tatum.
1: He's, su- but he's super snoring. shouldn't went snoring. to
0: bed at eight. Yeah. yeah, shouldn't went to bed at eight, my guy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, but I, I think so it, uh, I think he's a very good player. I, I don't know if he's going to be an MVP, uh, but he's definitely a guy who can give you twenty-five and five every single night.
0: Hmm. See, Jason Tatum is one of those guys that, like in the draft stuff, you know, I like just making bold predictions that are frequently wrong. Um, I think I have a pretty good track record with this. Draft class coming up. We might have to talk about that. How we did draft grades, anyway, so far, which is way too early, of course. But we don't care here. Um, <laughs> but I was way off on Jason Tatum. I did not see this from him. From what I saw at um, Duke, I just I didn't get it. And it seemed like he was very ISO heavy. Loved Kobe, you know, idolized him. I think Kobe kind of, you know, said some words to him. Um, or maybe taught him some, I can't remember, but I just didn't see it from him. And he has turned into an awesome offensive player. The defense has come a long way. He still lacks in attacking the basket consistently. He can get complacent. And that's my biggest problem with him is he can get complacent and turn into the hero ball gunner, you know, quote unquote, like he will take the long two or three, which is just horribly atrocious shot right. for the situation. And we'll take that. Sometimes they go in most of the time. They don't talking about the first game of season. He banked in a three to beat the bucks and, mm. you know, walked it off. Like he was some God that was meant to beat. it was pure of luck. Okay. I would, I so that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> especially if you shot over Giannis. Yeah, I guess I'd do the same thing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's my kind of issue with Tatum that I see going forward, that if things start to fall off a cliff, right? Like if things start going south with Jalen Brown, Kemba comes back, his knees, or he can never really fully come back with Kemba. Tatum kind of turns into this, well, I've got to shoot 25 times tonight or we're not going to have a prayer. Yeah. And he kind of reverts back to what we saw, you know, of hero ball in the early 2000s where it, I'm going to get mine. Y'all can hop along. Like, do you feel that kind of fear for him, or do you think Brad Stevens is just true team coach that it'll never get that far?
1: Yeah, I I don't – I think Brad Stevens is a good enough coach where he can kind of manage um, that. I do feel like sometimes when things don't go right, Tatum does grab the ball and just try to take over. Um, and so I could see that too. I just don't, I think these guys enjoy playing with each other. And so I don't think it ever gets out of hand. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that. I think they enjoy playing with each other enough compared to some teams who just they're there, but you could see if something goes wrong, you know, screw it and scrap that up. So I think they play, enjoy playing <laughs> with each other well enough. AKA Houston.
0: We'll probably talk. We'll talk. Oh, I thought we we're about to talk about that team next.
1: Maybe.
0: <laughs> Teaser um uh but vegas has the boston celtics at 45 and a half wins wow what's your feeling 46 and 26
1: yeah let's do it a smash so you smash wow somebody's got I, uh, somebody has to win <laughs>
0: Someone's got to win. I don't know. I'll have to listen back to all of our previews to see if everyone was a pass or not. Uh, but it kind of seems, you know, how if everything started this season. Everyone might be around 500 except for, like, two teams. So uh, Dude, They're six I, and I, three. Actually, yeah, they're all right. One of them was at banked in three. So, oh, I don't know how here. much credit you want to give
1: them. oh, then take it away I'm from actually, Milwaukee. <laughs>
0: I'm going to pass. I do not think the Celtics are going to win 46 games this year. So I would kind of have them in the same, maybe a game or two ahead of the heat. Like you had them around 40 wins. I would say the Celtics are probably a 42 to 44 win team. And I think that's very realistic. And I think you can take that to the bank. I
1: think that's Um, smarter.
0: Now talk (laughs) number three. Everyone's favorite team after one game, which everyone does this who's an NBA fan, if you pay attention to NBA Twitter at all, one one game can determine a whole season for a team. And here we are with this team. Number three, the Brooklyn Nets started last year, or last year's uh, record was 35 and 37. Let's just get down to the nitty-gritty of this with the Nets. Do Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving last long together? Yeah. How long is this honeymoon phase going to be?
1: I think they'll be okay. Um, I, I don't see any issues with them because I think they, um, I, I think they handle each other pretty well for the most part. So I don't think there's any issues with them. I just, I just think there's got to be hard uh, conversations to be had at some point, such as why is DeAndre Jordan starting? And why is Jared Allen coming off the bench? <laughs> like, that's just a, the hard conversation to have. So, we'll see. We've but been I think,
0: about this for four months.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't get it. So, yeah. That, that, that's it. That's it for me. I, I think they're a good enough team. I just don't know about um, if they can actually have those honest conversations and, and play the right people.
0: Spencer Dinwiddie already out for the season, tore his ACL. Poor. A partially torn ACL. Sorry, um, he's already out for the season. KD's out for the next, you know, five to seven days on a quarantine health and safety protocols. What they're calling that. Um, is the thing that holds the Nets back truly just the injury X factor, or do you think KD and Kyrie, big if unhealthy, because both of them, obviously, KD had the big injury last year. Kyrie has kind of been habitually injured for periods of time in the past three seasons. The biggest sex factor for this team is truly health, right?
1: Yes, it has to be.
0: It's the only thing that could derail this team, or do you think this team is 50-win team with those two by themselves and the pieces they have without Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, um, Landry Shamet, Jeff Green is even on this team. Good God. Oh God, uh, Cash that check, baby. <laughs> um, tri- with If everything goes right for them, barring just the Dinwiddie injury, do you think this team is a potential 50-win team no. and one of the funnest offensive teams in basketball?
1: No. Yes. No and yes. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't think they're going to be a 50-win team. Just because okay. I think they'll set Kyrie and KD out of uh, just being cautious throughout the year. COVID, um, health and safe- safety protocols will happen. Um, I think they already have the KD. Yeah. You're right. I-, I think they are a two man, a two headed monster only. I think Jaron Allen is a very good piece to surround against them. I think Karis LeBert is a rose ready to bloom that will not ever bloom playing again, playing with those two. I think he's a very good player mm. that could be a, a top three player on a good team, but I just don't know if he's going to ever hit that because I don't know if Ky- uh, Kyrie and KD will allow that. Um, I like them as a team, but I just don't see them just kind of being the juggernaut, but playoff time it's going to be very hard to beat them.
0: Interesting, just the firepower themselves between Katie and Kyrie.
1: Yeah, Katie is—he's probably one of the best players in the in in the in the league still, and we haven't seen much of him, but he looks like he could be a top three player right now.
0: So they really liked bringing Lavert off the bench with Denway starting. Since Demi's injury, Levert, they still tried to bring him off the bench, but I believe he started last game against the Jazz where they just absolutely blew them out. Um, If you were Steve Nash and that coaching crew, would you continue to bring Karras as a starter, or do you need him to be that bench boost of energy and scoring that they need? While KD and Kyrie rest, or do you stagger more minutes between KD and Kyrie so they're not playing together as much? One of them can kind of carry the bench at times. What would be your solution to that with the Dinwiddie injury?
1: So they they did not start Karis LeVert either. Um, he came off the bench again, and so I would uh, I kind of oh, like. I know
0: he started one. I didn't know which one it was. I thought maybe it was the Jazz one.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure which one it was, but. Uh, I'll kind of sift through here for a second. Uh, yeah, it wasn't the Washington game either. But um, I think they still bring him off the bench because no matter what, you can get him to the fourth quarter with Katie and Kyrie if he is playing um, high-level basketball towards the fourth quarter. So I don't worry about the fourth quarter, and I really don't worry about the first quarter uh, or, or the starting first eight minutes. I think it's very important to have Karis LeVert play more minutes than 21 or 20 or whatever he has been playing. I think you have him up closer to the 28-minute mark, um, if it was me. I use him as the middle man and actually as the other two-headed monster. So when KD comes out, Karis can play with Kyrie. And when Kyrie goes out, Karis can play with KD. And he can be the other head – and act as that other superstar because he has the potential to do that. Now, if he's the third man, then that's a little different. He has to know his role a little bit more. But I think having a player, him, being able to almost sub in and take the place of either Katie or Kyrie, whoever's out, and being the transition between those two, his minutes will be different, a little weird, but I think he can actually play that role very well. Um, and transitioning and getting those guys rest so i think that's how they should use them uh, I, I don't know if they've used them like that i think it's been a weird year but and i ideally i think that's how you want to do it
0: and you trust steve nash and that coaching staff to figure this out
1: with yeah steve, Na- steve nash isn't calling the calling the shots steve nash is managing personalities personally I, I i think so
0: Hmm. Okay, so you don't think he's actually in the huddle doing stuff? It's more of Mike D'Antoni um, yeah. trying to figure out plays. Yeah. Okay. I want to say, is it, is it I, Maurice I, I, I just want to hit on that. We talked.
1: Is it is it Maurice Cheeks on this uh, team?
0: Uh, I can't remember if Mo Cheeks on the staff or not. I know it's D'Antoni and someone else. That's a big name. Um, but I can't think of who it is. I know is the offensive guy. I don't know who the defensive guy was. I know Amari Stoudemire's on the staff. <laughs> yeah uh, if that means they to you but um are the nets with generally going down are the nets a team that need to make a move or do you think that they just they can just roll with what they have and they'll be fine wow
1: um whew. i i think they need to do something but i just don't know what you do um i couldn't uh, looking at this team, I don't know which direction you would go because you have another score, a transition player like Karis that that's very good. Um, I think they could get a little bit deeper on their bench. I, I don't I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. Now, it's a cop-out, but I don't have an answer which direction they should go. I think they are missing something. I just don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, I – That's the only thing I can see is they need – it feels like they need one more piece, and it feels like a defensive player. Like, they were kind of rumored in – well, not rumored. James Harden straight out said that he wanted (laughs) to go to Brooklyn. (laughs) Right. But that, to me, is completely out of the window now with Dinwiddie not being able to be in that package. I mean, he could be in the package, but I don't think the Rockets would actually be enticed by it but to me another another player on the rockets that i think is something that the nets need that they're missing is a pj tucker and okay. that to me is kind of the player that they need to kind of fill everything in they've got the offense and katie and Kyrie by themselves they got joe harris got karis off the bench who knows if they'll play deandre jared allen but they're missing that other defensive guy who will do all the little things that no one appreciates right like Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan DeAndre Jordan will try anyways but Jared Allen will try to do the little dirty things but he's not very good at it. he just scoops up rebounds at an impressive rate to start the season they to me are missing that guy who will do the unsung hero stuff to kind of push them all together and truly propel them to a title contending
1: team.
0: Like what, what like what would be your immediate reaction to that with PJ Tucker?
1: I think if, um, I think if you can find a way to maybe get James Harden and and PJ Tucker, maybe you, maybe that is really kind of what you need. But the only problem is if you do that, you're going to lose Karis LeVert a hundred percent. And you're gonna lose Jared Allen hundred percent. Yeah. Uh for sure. I, well, I don't if you kn- could
0: get PJ Tucker by himself, wouldn't have to give up too much, you wouldn't think, right?
1: I don't know if um I don't know if Houston does that, honestly. I think Houston holds on to that and says, um, if you want him, okay. Well, you gotta take James Harden too, and I want your and all your players. So I don't. I think Houston holds on to him. Says no, you know we're good. Uh, unless you're going to give up somebody, wow. Karis Levert, Jared Allen. I think they hold on to him just just out of spite because it doesn't matter. I think they're trying to package mm. those two together. Houston does.
0: Mm. But Poor I think P. he. Tucker. But
1: I I like your I like your uh, idea though. I think a player such as that would be good. But I don't really know if PJ Tucker is that great. I think he's okay. I don't know. Maybe you just have him there for a little bit of veteran leadership, uh, somebody who can hit those short corner uh, threes, but I don't really know if that's the player you're looking for.
0: Mm. See, to me, that that player like that would be perfect for the Nets. Like, he would just be a perfect complementary piece. can yeah. stand out of the way. He's used to it. <laughs> right. Like he, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't need the ball, and he'll do everything else on defense, and he's the most vocal guy on the floor, which – Every championship team needs that guy. Just look at Draymond Green. I mean, the guy has, what, three championships because he was a vocal leader, you know? Yeah. Um, so P.J. Tucker deserves some shine, so I hope he gets on there. I know he gets shine, but um, I would like him to actually be on an East team where you actually get a chance at a championship. But their Vegas over-under. They have the Nets at 45-and-a-half, a lot like the Celtics in the Heat. Do you think this is a 46-and-26 type team?
1: No way. No way.
0: So you would pass it?
1: For sure. For sure I'm going to pass. Okay. Just because there's no way that um, that they can play healthy enough and will not be cautious with these guys that they'll be able to win that many games.
0: Um, yeah, I think I'm going to pass this too because I think this is a team that Katie and Kyrie have been there. DeAndre Jordan's been there. I don't think they care at all about regular season. So if they can limp in there a, a little bit above 500 and catch a three to five seed, I think they don't care. And I think they're, they're willing to play anybody. I think they personally believe that nobody can beat them. That's why they won't care what seed they had. Right. Kind of like LeBron did, you know, with the Cavs. Like, yeah, we'll take a four seed. We don't care. Right. Like I, I get that feeling from this team. Like, they just want to be healthy in the playoffs for the most part. Have a decent matchup. Don't be an eight seed but um, be on the right side of the bracket and um, just dare teams to beat them. They think teams cannot beat them already, if I had to guess.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think they'll be uh, confident that they'll be three to six, 100%, and they'd be fine with any of those.
0: If KD... Final question before we move on to the final two teams here. If KD can play kind of hit the benchmark on the number of games needed, and he heats up at the scoring pace. I think it's like 26, 28 points per game. Is he a comeback player of the year, or is he an MVP candidate?
1: I I don't think he ends up making the noise that other players will for MVP, so I think he's for sure would be the comeback player of the year.
0: Mm, So he's more likely to be comeback instead of a straight-out MVP. Yes. Okay. That's what. Just quick question. I thought about it right at towards the end. I wanted to get it in there just to see. Um, the second team. Here we go. Final two. Only 45 minutes left in the pod. We'll be fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> number two, the Milwaukee Bucks. Last year went 56 and 17. Is Drew Holiday the addition of Drew Holiday and the simple? subtraction of Eric Bledsoe solve all of the Milwaukee Bucks issues in the playoffs and they're going to make the finals now?
1: I would, I would definitely pick them to be in the finals because I trust Drew holiday more than I trust Eric Bledsoe who's, who's almost unplayable at some points during the playoffs.
0: So you, would they be your front runner
1: to make it out of the East? No. I, I think 76ers are my front runner. Ooh. Are they second? Yes. I think they go to the Eastern Conference Finals again. Okay.
0: So you think Bucks, 76ers, Eastern Conference Finals? You can lock that in.
1: Lock it up, baby.
0: <laughs> See, my question was. I Look, I really like Drew Holiday. I think he's a great player. He single-handedly destroyed Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum, or at least him and Rondo did, shut down Damian Lillard, and I believe swept, if not one in five games with the Pelicans. So I love Drew. He's 30 years old now, I believe. They have started at a blistering pace on offense. I'm still questioning if Drew by himself is, the, is truly the fix to all their problems. Well, My I reason being, and I don't know if this is going to be hotly debated or not, probably will be, because I'm about to slightly slander a two-time NBA MVP, I'm not sure I believe Giannis is the number one player on an NBA champion winning team. Too far, or do you think that's correct?
1: No, I think that's too far. Um, The guy can do so much. and He's not your typical MVP or typical best player on a team. He's not going to take over such as LeBron that we've seen in the past. Uh, Kobe, MJ, uh, KD, uh, you you can go down the line. He's not that player, but that's okay. Crunch time, he's probably not taking the shot, honestly. He's going to push the ball towards the basket, make people collapse, and that's when you have to have good players around him like Drew Holiday and um, uh, Chris Middleton. Middleton has played so much better this year and is the reason they're good right now, and they're only five and three. So I don't I don't want to go crazy. The two games above five hundred, but I think Chris Middleton he's the X factor on this team more than Drew Holiday. I think Drew Holiday easily jumps over uh, uh, what what the who whether the point guard Eric Blusso did last year, and I think Chris Middleton's uh, in a competition to, with himself. And if he can be better than he was last year, and at times Chris Milton looked like he couldn't hit an open shot, he looks different this year. But to answer you know Giannis' question, I think Giannis is a different type of player. And I think just you honestly have to accept that he's not the type of MVP that we've had, type of number one superstar that we see on these championship-winning teams. He's just not, and that's okay because he can do so much more.
0: So, all of that made it seem like you were agreeing with me.
1: (laughs) No, because he he can still be your number one. If he's
0: not the guy taking the shot, look. Okay, maybe this isn't fair because I think we all kind of go with the number one being the guy who will shake it, take it in crunch time, right? right? Right. Who will take that final shot to win you that game, and. If Giannis is not that guy, and like obviously Jason Tatum is that guy for the Celtics, right? He's the guy that's going to take the final shot. Still, obvious questions. I've won championship. Can you win a championship with Jason Tatum as your number one? If Giannis is not going to be that default guy to finish out games for the Bucks, does that mean he's truly a number one?
1: Yes, because. If he has the basketball in his hands, he is going to try to get to the bucket. And if he can get by his guy, there is very few people that can actually stay in front of him by themselves. So you have to get help. And when you have help coming over, somebody is open. He has people surrounding him. Middleton, Lopez, holiday, DiVincenzo. maybe not him as much, but there's three guys. <laughs> That And even D. Vigino can he can hit a shot if, he, if he's open, whatever. But I'm just saying <laughs> those other three guys can absolutely hit a wide-open three-pointer or wide-open shot if that's what it calls for. But the number one option is Giannis taking the ball to the hole. And you have to have help to stop him. And when you have help, you kick out an easy, open three-pointer. And I think that is still a number one option.
0: Hmm. that option has what has been kept... Okay, let me phrase that again. That option for him has been the reason why they have not advanced past the Eastern Conference Finals, right? And they lost in the second round to the Heat. In In the playoffs, you cannot get to the realm as easily, and so he relies more on those shooters. LeBron doesn't seem to have those problems when we get into the playoffs. Sure, you know, Giannis might have the points maybe it's a bad comparison because lebron will pass out to those shooters right but he had anthony davis as that guy is chris middleton his ad
1: yes but they're also they have more players around them than than the lakers have oh
0: that's spicy last year this year (laughs) right now Oh, that is spicy. Okay, uh, I'm not even sure I want to talk about anything of the Bucks now. Now I want to talk about our number one team. <laughs> <laughs> no, but with the Bucks, I really like. Okay, George Hill. I thought was a big deal for them. I thought he was a very key piece to what they did, defensively and offensively. Um, and they traded him out. They brought in Brent Forbes, who is a shooter from the Spurs. If the Spurs kind of give up on you after a while, you kind of have to think about it a little bit, but I actually like Brent Forbes. He's just a little undersized, but I think he's a good shooter. Brought in DJ Augustine as the backup role position, kind of to fill George Hill spot. DJ Augustine is a perfectly adequate backup, getting up there in age. I think he's 33 or 34 years old, and he's just not going to blow you away, but he's going to be solid, right? Okay, he's not going to hurt you. Um... I just don't know, like, is Dante Vincenzo? you already mentioned him. Are teams really – I'm not even sure how to phrase this question to you.
1: Are they worried um, about it? I
0: have a lot of thoughts going on. <laughs> uh, no, not that, but, like, in the playoffs, you have to worry about Giannis Drive, right, then Middleton hitting that shot. Are, yep. are teams going to game plan – to let Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday beat them? Or is it just going to be – got to try to stop their one, two, three of Giannis, Middleton, and Drew. If the other two and the bench beat us, then so be it. Is that how you would strategize against the Bucks?
1: I think that's how you would strategize against the Lakers and the Bucks.
0: Okay. So you try to t- take away their top three, which is very hard to do. I understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah, um, you can probably realistically only take away one, maybe right. one and a half. Um, but Drew Holiday, by himself, if he beats you on his own, you can live with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you think Drew Holiday can be that guy to beat teams to help the Bucks advance?
1: Yeah, I, I think that um, I think he can easily play. You know over the head of, uh, of a lot of other point guards and I think he's very underrated on his defensive skills and I think he's always been a very good defender and I don't I think people forget about that how very good he is at defense.
0: Hmm. I just I think I just don't believe it till I see it right I'm um, I, I have a fear I'm going to be A pessimist on the Bucks all season, no matter what they're doing on defense. I mean, on offense, they're blowing away the field in offensive production points per games right now. But I just, I'm, I'm still not sold on it in the playoffs, and that might seem crazy, but I'm kind of to the point with the Bucks that I gotta wait to see it before I believe it. I don't know if that's fair. Um, their Vegas over under is forty nine and a half, which I believe was the largest number in the league. You think this is a fifty win team, fifty and twenty
1: two? Wow, at minimum, that's a big number. Um, I'd say and they're pass. already
0: five and three.
1: Yeah, I would say pass <laughs> because say pass I think they get to like maybe 49. <laughs> 48 <laughs>
0: Do you think this is the best record team in the league?
1: No, I think uh, Philly grabs that.
0: You think Philly has that? So you think Philly is the lone like fifty-win team?
1: I do. I think they had. I think they're special enough to to pull it off.
0: Interesting. I I think I'm actually going to smash this on the Bucks. I think they're a regular season team, and I think they'll have this crazy winning streak at some point. Like everybody i been talking about they'll win like 12 games in a row and we'll be freaking out. Um, and then it'll all come crashing down the playoffs again. But um, I think they'll go on a pretty solid run here where they, you know, they win 12 games, lose one and then run off another 10 wins. So I, I would actually smash this. I believe in the bucks just churning out wins in the regular season. Wait to see it. TBD <laughs> on the actual playoff production. So, right. Um, Lakers, number one, our final team. This is it. We have gone through 29 teams now. You know, if you've been paying attention at all, it's finally the Los Angeles Lakers who just won the NBA championship. Last year went 52-19. and Daniel, do you think the Los Angeles Lakers are a for-sure repeat title championship winning team?
1: Well, I put my money on the Lakers this year on an odds boost, so I'm going to say they do repeat. (laughs) Just for my monies.
0: A, A substantial amount? I thought you were all in on the Clippers.
1: I'm all in on the Clippers, but I got an odds boost. I had to take the Lakers.
0: Uh, so you're hedging your bet with another L.A. team.
1: Yeah, pretty much. No, I haven't I put any bets on many futures this year. Um, I want to say I picked um, you know most improved player, Bam Adebayo, Jaron Jackson Jr., um, and then the Lakers to win the championship. Uh, so I didn't do much just cause in their small amounts. It's just, um, the other two players were very high odds. And this one, I think that I got five plus 500 for the Lakers to win the championship. So it was, wasn't bad. Um, yeah, sure. Take it. Yeah. But it wasn't crazy. It wasn't crazy money, but that
0: was worth 50. It was worth 50 grand, right? You put 50 <laughs> grand on it.
1: <laughs> uh, I wish I had 50 grand. <laughs> uh, I mean, we, with all the million people that watch and listen to this, we, uh, we definitely do. But, uh, <laughs>
0: I, Everyone who listens, donate a dollar. Daniel will be able to place a twenty-five dollar bet
1: on a- <laughs> <laughs> No, I think the uh I think the Lakers will be good. I think they'll be good this year. I really do. Um, and I think that they will have a bigger battle than some people uh realistically think because I don't think A D has played well. So far, I don't know if that's just because just slow starts to the season. He's played well at times, but I don't think he has played that great. It all depends on LeBron. LeBron is the best player on this team. AD will never be a MVP candidate while LeBron is on his team. Just plain and simple. LeBron Mm -hmm. is the best player on this team. And so he's the guy who takes over when it comes down late and he will be their number one player. So it all really, if, if LeBron plays well they'll keep beating people because you have to you have to stop them and it's tough very tough
0: how uh much of a believer are you in the pieces that they brought in brought in dennis schroeder trey from the thunder mantras harrell from the clippers wesley matthews mark gasol r.i.p um <laughs> How much of a believer are you in them? Do you think this year's team is better than last year's championship winner?
1: Yes, I do. Um, For the simple fact that Montrose Harrell can be a second unit game changer. Very much so. Not due to him just being a great player. He's a great hustler. And he is always around the basketball. And you have to have players like that. They're invaluable to a team that, you know, when you have an aging superstar in LeBron, he's he's very valuable to a player for LeBron. And AD, who seems very lax, he is a very good complement to being high energy and, and, and AD being low energy. Uh, Schroeder has kind of played over his head a little bit so far. Um, if he continues this, it's going to be tough to beat them because he's played very well. Uh, Weston Matthews, he's a good piece. He can help you win some games, but he's not going to win you any games. Like, he's just not going to be the focal point of your offense ever. Uh, But I think the X factor on this team is Gasol. I really do. Because if you're playing, if you're going to run up against uh, some of these teams, at times he looks like he just eh, looks blah. And I don't know if that's just because of his body. He just doesn't look in shape. He looks slow. He hasn't been shooting the ball well. And I I think if he's not going to shoot, that hurts them. It doesn't create the spacing that his passing creates. His shooting has to be there. And I think the X factor is Gasol on this team.
0: I like it because I think everybody was kind of like, oh, they lost Dwight Howard, the physical, blah, blah, blah. But really what this team need is not only a guy who can, play in, in space which Gasol can and can facilitate the ball but he's a really good defensive player still at 36. Yeah. It is a little different because he's just not going to be a physical bruiser like Dwight uh, Dwight was like Dwight was pure energy Yeah, but I think they substituted that with like you said with Montrez they got the energy guy he's not as physically overpowering like Dwight was. So I don't know if something that's we can kind of point to as a potential weakness in this team, especially when AD decides he just doesn't want to rebound this playoff game. Um, but are you a big believer in Dennis Schroeder as actually being a starting point guard for a championship team, or do you think he's the guy who ultimately should be a good bench player for them?
1: Yeah, he should be their, uh, I guess, point guard coming off the bench. But – if he's not, if he's going to play like this, I don't. I think he has all the attention off of him and he's able to kind of uh, play freely. And LeBron is very much a first three quarters facilitator. That's what he is. That's all he really pretty much does. He'll get his points, but he is very much just after watching him play, you know, two games against the Grizzlies. He's, he's, he looks like he's just letting the game come to him getting his guys involved and does what he needs to. And it allows people like uh, Dennis Schroeder to play well because he's part of the a fluid offense. Fourth quarter time is LeBron time. And so I think that uh, Dennis Schroeder will, will be very well in this because he won't have to take the tough shots. LeBron will ha- is fine doing that. Him and AD will take all those tough shots. But the first three quarters, I think Schroeder is, is very much a solid piece for them. Um, I would love if he was a backup, but, you know, I I think it's – so far, I I think he's definitely earned his spot so far.
0: Mm. Because my question – I guess what I'm kind of getting at was, is there too many chefs in the kitchen, really? Um, I know last year it was kind of easy because it was just straight out, look, if LeBron and AD are not going to do it, it's not going to happen. Right. (laughs) But now they have, you know, Schroeder, Kuzma's trying to improve, Montrez. um, They have other guys who not necessarily demand the ball, but are not afraid to shoot the ball. Um, And I don't know if going in crunch time late in games, especially deep in the playoffs, do you see that as being a potential problem? or do you think LeBron James just sheer force of will and personality is just like sorry <laughs> right. you know he was he he deferred to Kyrie in the NBA finals and they beat the Warriors right hit one of the most famous shots i think in NBA basketball definitely finals history and he deferred to Kyrie i mean the only guy he can really defer to is AD but do you think there's like too much of good players like I know that's a weird thing to say to have too many decent solid good players that will obviously not like I said not require the ball but will want to have the ball
1: no I, I don't I, I don't think you can ever have too many as long as they know their role I don't think there's anybody on this team that they have that outside of uh, AD and LeBron that really just want to score and want the ball. Uh Mark is Marcus is very much a you know a passive player. Kyle Kuzma has played with them enough that they know each other. The only people that you have to look at is you know Wesley Matthews and Dennis Schroeder. And that's it. I think those are the only two that really would take shots when they shouldn't be. And I think Dennis Schroeder gets enough um, a play and enough of the, the points and en- enough of that main point guard position, the first three quarters that I think he's okay deferring. And realistically, what I saw is he is very much a cutter and just tries to drill and dribble past his guy and be his guy to layups. That's what he's doing right now. And because people are paying attention and helping off of, uh, you know, people like him to help on LeBron. Just in case he catches the ball, I think it's actually making his game a lot easier because he is that quick, fast twitch player. So I don't think that that's an issue because the only person that I saw realistically in this season so far is Wesley Matthews that takes weird – well, sorry, Kyle Kuzma. He always does weird shots, but Kyle Kuzma and Wesley Matthews are the same player um, and they, they shoot times they definitely should not.
0: I think there's only been 13 NBA teams in history that have won consecutive championships. Um, do I believe the Lakers can be beat a hundred percent? If I actually, if there's a bet out there for the Lakers to win the championship or the field, I would actually take the field. Yeah. I think it's just very, very hard to repeat. And you're going to ask a 36 year old LeBron who doesn't look like he's 36. Right. right. And they, you know in the past brittle ad um to do it again i just don't believe they can um and if it's truly like the injury bad luck then you'll have obnoxious laker fans that all franchise teams all franchise fans would do if they had injury luck in the playoffs they would blame that said, so that if they were all healthy we'd have won um and with the lakers that probably a pretty good case so you kind of have to give them a break if that actually happens but do you think that there's any team in the west that can actually beat the lakers or do you think the nba champion which is kind of what i'm leaning towards comes from the eastern conference this year that's how the lakers lose they lose to someone from the
1: well i i think that um i think the the west Is better than what people give them credit for so far. I think that a team that is, you know, the Suns, which are kind of sneaky. I think they could give the Lakers some problems. I think that Mm -hmm. the Clippers very much so could give them problems just because Kawhi against LeBron is a very good matchup. And I think that Paul George has been playing well this season. And he continues to play well and i wouldn't doubt that uh paul george can outplay anthony davis in different positions but i think he can outplay him in a series and i think that they could win that mm-hmm. just from enough people they could throw at you know gasol and ad to frustrate anthony davis i think that's possible but in the end i would not doubt one bit that the the champion comes from the east this year and so if you gave me the field or the lakers or the field or the, or la team i would for sure take uh the field this year
0: Ooh, we are in agreement about that i'm sure cody would actually say it's going to be the lakers and that's all he would say like yeah. i'll just do an impression and go it's the lakers and he won't say anything else
1: yeah true. and
0: there'll be a couple seconds of silence and then i'll have to say something so <laughs> So, Cody made an appearance on this pod. Good imper- impersonation. Um, but to to wrap it up with their Vegas over-under, they do have the Lakers at 46-and-a-half wins. Final smash or pass, Dana?
1: Smash. I think LeBron's got stuff to prove. Smash.
0: Yeah, I I actually smash this too. I don't think they're going to slow down. The only thing that slows them down, like every other team that we talked about, is truly an injury to one of the top guys. I just think there's too many, too many right. players to be bad in the regular season. <laughs> like, like it's just hard to have a huge losing streak with that many quality players. Like at least one, they're all not going to be terrible every night. Right. Like there's going to be one or two of them. There's going to be one or two of them if two or three doesn't have it. There's going to be one or two of them that has 20 to 30. Like, it's just going to happen. Yeah. So I, I'm just more curious of the playoffs. That's what I would be more interested in. But I think they will be a very good regular season team. So I agree with you. We should definitely smash that on the Lakers, which wraps us up here. I know we didn't give predictions on NBA champion. I think we are going to give that um, in a later episode, maybe kind of talk about it. With our um, and our live shows, which do you want to plug? That Daniel, that will come out tonight. Our first live episode on the Locker Room app. You want to plug it at all?
1: Hit the siren, baby. I think good enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, catch <laughs> us, catch us on the Locker Room app. If you have an Apple product, please download the Locker Room app and catch us on that we will be every thursday seven o'clock live so you can write in the discussions questions you have um you can give us your feedback on the takes that we have um the room will be uh, i i I would hope that the room there will be people there uh and so there are people waiting and and waiting for us um i didn't realize that there'd be people that uh were excited about us but I have four or five people that I've talked to just today that are excited about listening to us on there. Um, so I'm hoping, oh, um, you do. On. There will be many, many more, and I know there's a lot of people with the lead that are also excited about it that will be tuning in because they have not heard us uh, really together before. I know Cody will not be on there, uh, but it will be very, very exciting. We, I, my topic I want to talk about. Is the Trey Young, the play that isn't basketball. We'll get into that uh, very hot and heavy, but there's also some other stuff that we get into as well. (laughs) Um, But it'll be be a fun show, and we'll be able to bring people up on stage, and you can talk, uh, and you'll be on the podcast. So we're going to put these actually out on our podcast stream. So if you get in there, feel free to request to speak. If you have something to say, we'll bring up people one by one. Let you kind of talk about your topic and then we'll send you down and bring somebody else up. Um if it gets to that point where we get rolling. So uh but yeah, get on the locker <laughs> room app. We'll be on there seven o'clock every Thursday.
0: Yeah, please tune into that so you can hear me and Daniel getting hot and heavy live. It's gonna be Whoa. great audio. <laughs> hot and heavy. <laughs> wow. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. Uh, It's that point of night. That's what happens when you do a three-hour team preview for six teams. Um, But normally, Cody will be on there with us. He has – we'll talk about tomorrow more in depth with people. But he has a lot going on at work. They had to shift some schedules around. I think someone got COVID, so he had to switch around. So he was not able to air with us, and he's bummed about that. Um, but he normally it will be us three live together and so if you listen to us at all you know we have a lot of fun in our recording so um, <laughs> you just imagine what it's like live and unfiltered and unedited so it's gonna be pretty interesting I'm excited for it it's gonna be a lot of fun I had no idea that people were actually looking forward to it so that's news to me so yeah. now I got to stay up the whole night and prepare even more um, but Daniel it's been great man I've enjoyed our previews I think we got a pretty good list it'll be a nice barometer to look back throughout the season we might check in on it you know kind of halfway um, but please tune in tonight 7pm Locker Room app download it we will post a link on Twitter I'm sure too when we go live tune in give us your thoughts yell at us we'll yell back don't get your feelings hurt but it will be a lot of fun, I think. So, uh, Daniel, I'll see you probably in a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, baby. All right, we're out. Thanks for listening, everybody. Sleep.